And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Cavanagh. With me as always, Mr. Zachary Rancourt. And here we discuss and dissect what makes a film, past or present, absolutely amazing, or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Howdy ho. Hi. How are you? <laughs> oh, stressful times, man. Uh, just watching election coverage all day, every day, 24-7 with Wolf Blitzer. So, um, yeah, otherwise, no, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good, man. How are you? I'm good. Barack Obama. I like, <laughs> no. I like the way Wolf talks. <laughs> He's funny. You know, for as much shit as CNN gets from, from some people as some people try to discredit it as a, as a reliable news source, which it's very much a reliable news source. Um, yeah, I, I really, I really enjoyed it. It's, it's up there with some of my top favorites. I like Politico a lot. Obviously they're more of a print slash, uh, online news source, Politico, BBC, but uh, I do like CNN a decent amount and the New York Times. So, yeah. Listen to you. I know. I just watch it for the stocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little ticker at the bottom. Yeah, all like, the fun stuff. Look at the, the NASDAQ. It's up. Yeah. I don't, I don't <laughs> even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad something wrong with this NASDAQ once. That was a problem. I just watch Mad Money. Like uh, like Cartman on South Park when they were doing the Facebook one. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was good. Cool man. Yeah. Right. Anyways, yeah. What's what's new? What have you been watching? Um, not that much. After Halloween, I kind of got back towards the the normalcy of of movie films and shows. But uh, I put on The Office uh, just because I've this is probably like my sixth time watching it through, and it's just one of those comfort things. It's like. You know, I can eat Mexican food every single day and be happy. It's kind of how I, I feel about The Office. I could watch it all the time and just be happy. So I, I put that on. Um, I watched the second Borat movie, and it was really funny. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I watched The Mandalorian episode one of season two. Excellent. Very, very fun um, opening episode to a new season. Thought there was a lot of cool callbacks, um, and it just very much a Western vibe, and I, I totally dug it. Uh, I watched Iron Eagle in preparation from a Halloween costume and it was a classic. I'm surprised it got it got Oscar snubs. I mean, it was should have been <laughs> a shoe in bluebird. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget when you showed me that you were watching it and I was just kind of timing out quotes and sending them to you on Snapchat. <laughs> that was that was one of the funniest moments and most endearing moments because I could not believe that you that was when I, I realized you were a freak of nature. You just you remember all the lines and it's awesome. And you knew like every single line. I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I mean, I, to be fair, I've seen that movie a billion times. I love it. It's, it's pretty good. Uh, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed that one. So I was Doug Masters for Halloween. All right. And, and then um, I watched the Mart. <laughs> I should have went as Colonel Nakinakesh. <laughs> that would have been so cool. Not in my neighborhood. I would have got fucking murdered, man. There's uh, a guy next door has got a huge Trump flag. He would like stomp on my face. He would be. He would be the guy. What's his name? Norton? Ed, Ed Norton. <laughs> and I'd be the other guy. <laughs> and that oh, wouldn't geez. be good. <laughs> no. That would be really bad. Yeah, he's a big dude, too. He's about a, about a deuce, deuce and a half. 
I'd fuck him up. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I, I watched The Martian. Uh, I think it's one of Ridley Scott's best besides Gladiator. But uh, yeah, it's fantastic. I really like that movie a lot. I just had a fun time watching it and I was captivated the entire two plus hours watching it. So. You had never seen it before? No, I've seen it a bunch or I shouldn't say a bunch. I've seen it probably three times, but it'd been a while since I've seen it. And uh, I just wanted to I wanted to watch it again. And it was it was fantastic. I really liked it. Yeah, I agree. I, I like it a lot. It's I, I would say that it is one of my favorite Ridley Scott films, aside from uh, the obvious like Gladiator or Alien or, or uh, Thelma, especially Thelma late, Louise <laughs> late in his career. Yeah, I mean, the man's been making movies for four decades, so mm-hmm. that's a lot of a lot of motion picture shows. Yeah, I agree, man. But I definitely dig The Martian. It's fun. I did not read the book, though. Mm, I did. I liked it a lot. It, it it follows it follows a book pretty closely. Uh, there were some liberties they took, though. Oh, uh, made it better. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm on the same boat as you, man. I watched uh, a lot of Office. I started with season one, and Pam and Jim just got married, and we started like on Friday. <laughs> Holy <laughs> <watch>. shit! <laughs> yeah, been watching a lot of the Office, and uh, it's been it's been great. And then. Um, uh, I subscribe to Crunchyroll, which is an anime streaming platform, and I've been watching a lot of a lot of shows on that. And uh, one of which is this new show called uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, and it's only five episodes in, and it's so freaking good. And um, Bandai Namco Collectibles is actually uh, selling. Uh, we have a new figure line for this anime, which is really really cool because normally it's got to be around for a while before we make figures and. Um, I'm very, very excited for this new line and it's really cool that it's a brand new show and we have figures already, which is awesome. So they're from Tamashii Nations and they're incredible. There's it's figure art. So check those out. They're really, really cool. And the show's awesome. So if you have Crunchyroll, definitely check it out. It's already like one of the best reviewed shows on Crunchyroll. It's, I think it has like 4,200 or 4,800 reviews and it's five stars across the board. So, wow, that's exciting. And then, um, I've been watching a lot of, uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, which was an anime that was popular when I was in college, so a long time ago, and I hadn't seen it since college, so it's been kind of fun to revisit it, especially since it's, you know, like 25 years old now, so good times, good times. Nice. Yeah, I uh, I never really got into anime too much, but uh, I have seen some things and I really enjoyed it, so Jujutsu Kaisen, is that what it's called? Jujutsu yeah. Kaisen? Cool. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's pretty badass. <laughs> Sweet. Love it. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's like I said, it's only five episodes in, so uh, you can chug along pretty quickly. And uh, it's got a really cool theme song. It's the kind of music you can tap your foot to, you know, it's pretty good. <laughs> Did Kenny Loggins do the theme song? Yeah, I wish. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, you could punch Dance's rage and it would be awesome. That'd be so cool. <laughs> yeah. Are you ready to talk about the motion picture show this week? You got it, buddy. All right, we are going to be doing The Princess Bride from 1987, directed by one Rob Reiner, who is anti-Trump to the max. That guy, uh, he's a very upset man, and he's bald because he's so angry all the time. And uh, just just relax every once in a while. Uh, But Rob Reiner has actually directed uh, Stand By Me, When Harry Met Sally, um, its follow-up, Misery, um, A Few Good (laughs) Men. Ghost of Mississippi, Shushima, and uh, the American President. 
real quick is he, he has a diverse and he also directed this is spinal tap but he is a very diverse director because if you look at that on paper like when harry met sally and then you go completely opposite to misery <laughs> this guy is like all over the place and these are all really good movies like i think those are all fantastic movies so i he's he's a really underappreciated director yeah no he's great i mean he's He's got a comedic background and that's all about like timing. Right. So, I mean, I think that that helps, you know, a lot of people don't for whatever reason, I I don't quite know why, but it's hard to take a comedian seriously sometimes. And it's really sad because a comedian looks at the world uh, in a very different way. And uh, I think that that works in his filmmaking, even Ghost of Mississippi. I mean, that's that's a hardcore civil rights movie, right? You got Medgar Evers getting murdered. And, um, you know, by James Woods, you know, he's a real asshole, that guy. And, um, yeah, (laughs) uh, but just to clarify, James Woods was playing (laughs) Byron de Beckwith, de la Beckwith, actually. And, uh, he wasn't really the guy that killed him, but uh, James Woods, that is. And, um, but I mean, yes, he 100%, you are absolutely correct. He has a very diverse, uh, portfolio when it comes to directing, so much so that I totally fucking forgot that rob reiner directed this movie mm. and uh it's weird because it has like this you know sort of whimsical tone which as you pointed out is completely different from something like misery or even a few good men um so yeah and that course uh goes to mississippi yeah and um yeah crazy very talented man so was his father yeah carl yes we got a first name basis now yeah we're homies man yeah. he was like, <laughs> i was he's devastated like, when he passed away actually i know that was really sad I liked him in Oceans 11 and 12. And yeah, Dave and I say all the time, like whenever we're like uh, about to arrive, we always go, they will be here. <laughs> like every time, whenever we agree on something or we're going somewhere, it's always, they will be here. <laughs> every time. In fact, I said it today on a, on a conference call. It was great. <laughs> nice. I can, can't get away from that at all. It's so great. So there you have it. Uh, the The cast of this wonderful well i guess we skipped over writers the writers uh we got william goldman who did butch cassini and the sundance kid oh, i guess there's only one writer it says yeah he, he, he did yeah sorry he did the uh the screenplay and he wrote the novel so gotcha it doesn't say that here i know i apologize i have you're fat botching, fingers you're botching was, my shit <laughs> i was eating chips tim's cascade chips and they were good there you go. Uh, so William Goldman. Now, did you see Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? Like a long time ago when I was a Sundance Kid. So. Oh, man. I love that movie, man. That's badass. I have it on the Blue Ridge. Who's in that? It's Is it Peter Fonda? No, not Peter Fonda. No, that's a... Uh, I'm thinking of a different movie. Never mind. Who, who's in Butch Cassidy? Butch Ro- Cassidy. Robert Redford. You have Robert Redford there. Right. Who's fantastic. And then you got the Paul Newman. Paul Newman. There we go. Yeah. No, I should revisit that. I wonder if it's on HBO Max, but I should revisit that movie. No, stay away. It's pretty good, though. Came out in like 1970-something. <laughs> yeah, I don't have that information handy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you like that? Andy. <laughs> I think he's the other guy. Isn't it? No, no, man. You got me second-guessing myself. I'll look it up. But Cassidy there. Yeah, Paul Newman. Mm-hmm. I, I was I was stumbling with Mr. Reiner, so now I was second guessing myself. But <laughs> <clears throat> absolutely, uh, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, 1969, 69 something, not even 70. You were wrong. 
It's on stars. Woman, you are wrong. I I do have stars. I will watch it on that then. Oh, that's pretty good. So there you have it. Uh, The film stars my buddy, Carrie (laughs) (laughs) Elwes. I call call him Elwes. (laughs) Yeah, that guy, Russ Wheeler from Days of Thunder. You got Robin Wright, who is, this is actually like her first, like, this is like a breakout role for her. Mm-hmm. The credits even say in introducing Robin Wright, so that's fair. she's she's absolutely gorgeous, and I think she's been so beautiful. I think she's just gotten like better with age too. She's unbelievable, yeah, in she my directed, opinion. Like House of Cards, she directed uh, multiple episodes of that. By the way, she was she was great in that show. Oh, too bad it has that creeper in it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's no good. No. Uh, then you also have where was I? Manny Patinkin. You got Wallace Shaw, Andre the Giant, Christopher Guest, which is just remarkable. <laughs> yeah. I fucking love him as Harlan Pepper in uh, Best in Show. And yeah. it's just hard to separate those two roles. <laughs> I don't know how he did it, but he did. Uh, you got Chris Sarandon, Fred Savage, and the one and only Peter Falk. So there you have it. Uh, let's see here. Some reviews. We are at a whopping 97% on the old Rotten Tomato meter there. That's uh, that's pretty good. It's a good movie. You should go see it, <laughs> right? I can't now because you told me to see it. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Who does that sound like? <laughs> Mister J C Cavender. <laughs> <laughs> J Manis. <laughs> so much money, mucho, mucho dinero. Wait. Chris Chase from New York Daily News says Mandy Patinkin, an actor not known for his humor, is particularly wonderful as. Inigo, a Spaniard out to avenge the death of his father at the hands dot dot dot. Full review. <laughs> Thanks, guy. <laughs> you didn't want to just have a couple of bullet points? Honestly. You got Richard Corliss from Time Magazine. Says, as you watch this enchanting fantasy, feel free to be thrilled or to giggle as you wish. Yeah, how about that? Fantasy. That's a good way, a good word for it. It's hard to pinpoint the genre of this movie. I know. <laughs> I think I think fantasy uh, that could fit under the umbrella. It's a big umbrella that works. You know, don't want to get wet. Yeah. Sergio Benitez says it is, in short, cinema that makes cinema great. I don't like it. It is a it's a it's a good feeling movie. Let's see here. David Harris from Spectrum Culture. He says. The cult of the Princess Bride is still strong 32 years after it's been released. And that was July 30th, 2019. 32 years. Wow. So it stands the test of time, which I think is important. Especially when you see Fred Savage playing this baseball game. And he's got fucking He-Man and She-Ra toys in the background. (laughs) Maybe even some mask toys. I was kind of trying to look. I didn't pause it. I should have paused. But I was trying to look at the, the toys that he had in his little man cave there. But. Yeah, a lot of good nerd nostalgia. Yeah, so so it's pretty good. Um, I don't see any negative reviews, so we won't even address that. Well, we'll just stay tuned for this podcast then. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) I don't. I don't see any. Um, There's multiple pages, but like, is no is not a bad one in sight. It's all. Oh, here we go. I found one by by Jeff Andrew, and he spells it G off. You know, that that guy. What a jack. From Time Out, which I feel like we've addressed this guy before. 
And I'm curious. <laughs> I'd love to love to go back and see what other movies he reviewed. But he says, uh, the absurdities sometimes forced are the absurdities are sometimes forced and obvious. Well, yeah, it's. Oh my god, it's comedy, man. <laughs> I don't think that guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah, wait. Yeah, honestly. Um, I think that's about it. It has a budget of $16 million. Opening weekend, it looks like it made a whopping $206,000. Gross to the United States at $30 million. And then the World Wide Web <laughs> gross <laughs> is the same number. So I don't think we really have accurate data if it didn't go international. But you're looking at a $30 million movie. So doubled of its budget basically. And this might have been one of those films that got popular through time. And, you know, the 80s were a whole other beast. Uh, 32 years ago, I was maybe three or four months old when this came out, but uh, or 33 years ago. Yes, about four months old when this came out. So uh, the numbers are are, are skewed slightly. I'm sure it's not a complete picture of how this movie fared in the box office. Sure. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, it was on TV pretty quickly, too. I remember being a kid and like still in elementary school and it was on TV. So I was like, shit, that was quick. (laughs) Not that I'm (laughs) complaining or anything, but I just remember thinking, didn't this just come out? So you were like, this premium VOD is coming out quick. (laughs) Yeah. It's like space balls where you get to watch the tape before they're finished making. (laughs) There you go. My shorts. Um, so uh, a lot of fun trivia for this. So it's hard to really kind of p- pin down some things. But uh, during the filming of some, some scenes, the weather became markedly cold for Robin Wright. Andre the Giant helped her by placing one of his hands over her head. His hands were so large that one one would entirely cover the top of her head, keeping her warm. And that was a giant man. Um, he was he was very, very big. So I imagine his hand was bigger than her body, her body. But uh, yeah. And then Robin Wright and Carrie Elwes uh, were smitten with each other during Ewes. filming. What? Elwes. <laughs> I call them Elwes. Uh, they were smitten with each other during filming, naturally helping their chemistry in the movie. Elwes said that he couldn't concentrate on much of anything after their first encounter with Robin, or after that first encounter with Robin. And I agree. She's beautiful. According to author William Goldman, when he was first trying to get the movie made in the 1970s, a then-unknown Arnold Schwarzenegger wanted to play Fezzik. And he was strongly being considered because Goldman could never get his first choice, Andre the Giant, to read for the role. By the time the movie was made about 12 years later, Schwarzenegger was such a big star they could not afford him. Andre was cast after all, and the two big men had gone to become friends. Um, Despite his character, Fezzik's almost superhuman strength, Andre the Giant's back problems at the time prevented him from actually lifting anything heavy. Robin Wright had to be attached to wires in the scene where Buttercup jumps from the castle window into Fezzik's arms because he couldn't support herself or himself. And then there was also a lot of stunt doubles who had to be Fezzik. Like when Wesley was choking him out, that was a stunt double with a really, really obvious mask on. Uh, But, you know, I digress. Uh, the the R.O.U.S., the Rouse, have been re- referenced in multiple video games, and Justin, you'll like this one, including Borderlands 2, Fallout New Vegas, and World of Warcraft Legion. Did you know that? I know everything. No, but did you know that? I read the Wikipedia. Um, oh. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I remember, I remember playing Borderlands 2, and I, I saw the reference, and I was like, oh, huh, Princess Bride. I got it. So, yeah, yeah you know, and Warcraft is loaded with 
uh, pop culture references. Even the num- when you said the, if we were talking about the numbers for the box office, and I immediately went to the numbers are bad, is what I was thinking. And uh, from Lost, and the oh, yeah. numbers uh, from The Hatch are are in World of Warcraft as well. Oh yeah, when when uh, Mary dies, that's yeah. all I know. Mary. <laughs> so uh, here's a synopsis I took from Wikipedia, and don't hate me but anyways the film is an enactment of a book read to a sick boy from chicago who is initially dismissive of the story by his grandfather next paragraph a beautiful young woman named buttercup lives on a farm in the uh, fictional kingdom of florin whenever she instructs the farmhand wesley he complies and answers as you wish she eventually realizes that he truly means i love you and that she loves him in return he leaves to seek his fortune so they can marry, but his ship is attacked by the dread pirate Roberts, and Wesley is believed to be dead. Five years later, Buttercup is forced into marriage to Prince Humperdinck, heir to the throne of Florin. Before the wedding, she is kidnapped by three outlaws, a short Sicilian boss named Vizini, a giant from Greenland named Fezzik, and a Spanish fencing master named Inigo Montoya, who seeks revenge at, against a six-fingered man who killed his father. The outlaws are pursued pursued separately by a masked man in black and Prince Humperdinck with a complement of soldiers. The man in black catches up to the outlaws at the top of the Cliffs of Insanity. He defeats Inigo in a duel, chokes Fezzik until he passes out, and kills Vicini by tricking him into drinking from a cup containing poison. He takes Buttercup prisoner and they flee, stopping to rest at the edge of a gorge. When Buttercup correctly guesses that he is the dread pirate Roberts, she becomes enraged at him for killing Wesley. When Buttercup sees Humperdinck and his men approaching, she shoves Roberts down a hill and wishes death upon him. As he tumbles down, he shouts, As you wish! Realizing Roberts is Wesley, she throws herself into the gorge after him and they are reunited. Wesley explains that Dead Pirate Roberts is, or Dread Pirate Roberts is actually the title passed on by subsequent holders. He had taken it, the title from the previous Roberts so he could retire. They pass through the dangerous fire swamp, which is inhabited by rodents of unusual size, rouses, but Humperdinck captures them when they emerge. Buttercup agrees to return with Humperdinck if he releases Wesley, and he agrees, but not before secretly ordering the Count Rugen to take Wesley to his torture chamber, the Pit of Despair. Wesley notices that Rugen has six fingers on his hand before being knocked out. Dun, dun, dun. When Buttercup expresses unhappiness at marrying Humperdinck, he promises to search for Wesley. Humperdinck's real plan is to start a war with the neighboring country of Gilder by killing Buttercup, Buttercup and framing Gilder for her death. He had hired Vicini to kill her for that same purpose. Meanwhile, Inigo and Fezzik re- reunite when Humperdinck orders the thieves arrested in the nearby forest, and Fezzik tells Inigo about Rugen. Inigo decides that they need Wesley's help to get into the castle. Buttercup berates Humperdinck after learning that he has not tried to find Wesley. Enraged, Humperdinck imprisons Buttercup in her chambers and tortures Wesley to death. Inigo and Fezzik follow the cries of anguish through the forest. They find Wesley's body and bring him to a folk healer, Miracle Max, whom Humperdinck has recently fired. Max declares that Wesley is only mostly dead due to his true love for Buttercup and revives him. But Wesley is heavily paralyzed. After Wesley, Inigo, and Fezzik invade the castle, Humperdinck panics and orders the wedding ceremony shortened. Inigo finds and kills Rugen in a duel, repeatedly taunting with him the greeting of vengeance. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Uh, Wesley finds Buttercup, who is about to commit suicide, assuring her that her marriage is invalid because she never said, I do. Still partly paralyzed, he bluffs his way out of a duel with Humperdinck, and they they flee the castle. 
Wesley rides away with Buttercup, Inigo, and Fezzik before sharing a passionate kiss with Buttercup. Back in the boy's bedroom, the boy eagerly asks the grandfather to read the story to him again the next day, to which the grandfather replies, as you wish. End of movie film. Justin, when was the first time you saw The Princess Bride? Um, gosh. Sometime in the year of our Lord, probably 1988, <laughs> maybe 89. I don't know. Nice I didn't see it in the theater. Mm, okay. Uh, did you like it then? Do you remember? Oh, I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was great. I watched it with my oldest sister, Jennifer, and we had a blast. We thought it was so funny, and we laughed a lot. Till the cows I think, came I home. I think it's, yeah, I think it's great because, like, um, I like the back and forth where it breaks it breaks the story and takes you back to reality where they're reading the book. Mm-hmm. Um, because <laughs> it's like when when they're in the um, in the boat and the streaky needles are about to get her and it's the grandfather's voice talking. Like, you hear that, Highness? Those are the streaky needles. He's like, Grandpa, we're past that part. Um, <laughs> I, I love that. I, I just feel like as a child, uh, you know, getting read to, I just thought that that was like a lot of fun. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I've been there, dude. Yeah, but totally. I just, I really liked it. And it, and it, it kind of uh, had like a weird, it's like, is it, it gave this presentation where like, I was like, is this a real book? Like, can I go to the store and buy this book and read it? You know, like I remember just being really intrigued by that when I was a kid. Yeah. Well, to answer your question, it is a real book and it was written by Mr. William Goldman. But yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, at the time, I didn't know that. Excuse me. <laughs> I'm just like, right. wow, this is cool, man. Because he's like, you know, I read this to your father, or my father read it to me, and then I read it to your father, and it sounds like he's a real piece of shit and doesn't read to you, so I'm going to go ahead and read it to you. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I think the narrative structure is really, really cool. It's uh, that story within a story idea, and you're, uh, yeah, I love those, those jumps, like you're saying, with the eel thing, and I think there was a later one when he's like, ugh, more kissing, you know, he just completely yeah. <laughs> interrupt, <laughs> interrupt the story, because it's a, it's a child, and, and we are all him, kind of like the never-ending story, that's uh, the closest thing I can Still think going. of. Right. The, um, yeah, and like, when when, when uh, Wesley dies, he's like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, Jesus, Grandpa, why are you reading me this shit for? I love that. I think that's so great. Yeah. No, that was a very I remember great... when, I watched, when I watched Empire Strikes Back for the first time, I'm like, are you serious? Like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> the bad guy wins? This is the worst movie ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, spoiler alert, the bad guy doesn't win in this one. So. Right. Who knew, right? I know. Yeah. Well, I didn't see it until I was in middle school. Actually, we had to do in in English class. We had to do a report on that. It was that Lady Hawk and there was another movie, but uh, I don't remember anything about it. And I did have family and friends who absolutely loved this movie. But I honestly, Justin, until yesterday's viewing, I did not remember almost a single thing about this movie. I mean, I remember the the popular things, the Inigo Montoya, the Fezzik stuff, um, but I, if you asked me to quote it, the only thing I could have said was anybody want the peanut or something <laughs> like that's, that's pretty much the only thing I remembered from this movie. And I actually had a moment where I was like, have I seen this all the way through before? But, um, so yeah, I was, uh, I was actually kind of, uh, skeptical on it because I didn't understand why people loved it so much because I'm like, well, surely I've seen it before. And if I don't remember anything about it, then it's gotta be a, a load of garbage, so <laughs> that's funny because I was quoting the movie from start to finish. 
See, yeah. Well, and, and, but okay, but then I'll amend what I was saying. After I watched it, I was like, I really liked that movie. Um, I thought it was very charming and it was funny. And um, I'm glad it was on Disney Plus. It's, it's definitely one of those lighthearted movies that you can, you can watch again and you can just kind of put on when, when friends are around. And yeah, the quotings are, the, the quotes are amazing in it. I think there is no wasted dialogue and each character is so well developed. Um, yeah, I truly, truly like it. So. I like it when um, Bassini is like yelling at them where he's like, he's like, go that way. <laughs> Move the thing. <laughs> the <Yeah>. other thing. <laughs> oh, I love that. I was like saying that as I'm walking to the kitchen. I'm just like yelling it as it's happening on the TV. It was so funny. You fell for the classic blunder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, so Carrie Elwes, you might remember him from such films as Days of Thunder, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, Twister, and Saw. One could easily say that this may ha- this uh, the Princess Bride may have been his peak role, though. Certain actors like Daniel Radcliffe, Peter Weller, Christopher Reeve those are exa- <laughs> those those are ex- those Poor are examples. Of, I know. <laughs> They're examples of actors that tried to shed their most famous roles. So you got the Harry Potter there, the Robocop and the Superman. So they tried to do other things and they will always kind of be remembered as Harry Potter, Robocop and Superman. But, you know, they never really could per se. When it comes to Mr. Elwes, what do you think? Do you think that he's always going to be remembered for the Princess Bride? He's always going to be called Wesley or do you think he'll be remembered for something different? Um, I, th- I think that that's fair to say that he will always be Wesley. I think it's his most charming role. Uh, the other movies that you mentioned, he's kind of a dick in those movies. Even Robin, he's kind of an asshole. In <laughs> and so it's just he's really good at that. It's not like a slight to him. He's just really good at playing a dick. Like he's well, he's Jonas, right? In, um yeah, Twister. Twister, right? And then he's, he's Russ in it Wheeler. For the money, not the not science. Not the science. Yeah. <laughs> Shame on him, man. You're chasing tornadoes. How much money are you going to get? It's like one of them booths with all them dollar bills flying around you, and you got to try and grab them. You ever tried to go into a tornado and just grab money? It doesn't work. I'd buy Chain. that for a dollar. Right. <laughs> Getting hit in the face of quarters and shit. And um, it doesn't work. And then in Days of Thunder, he was a frust wheeler, and he's a real asshole on that too, man. He's always bumping into, into cold trickle. And, and two roosters is... One too many in the hen house, as <laughs> as Mr. Robert Duvall says in the motion picture show. And um, I love that movie. I actually have Days of Thunder Hot Wheels. Why doesn't that surprise me? <laughs> and they're unopened. They're worth like a 99 cents. But to me, they're priceless. <laughs> <laughs> but who's I counting? Have, I, have, I have Carrie Ooh's race car, too. <laughs> and it's great. Carrie Elwes. <laughs> Love it. But yeah, I agree. I think I, I don't know if he's OK with this, but I am OK with having the fond memory of of the Dread Pirate Roberts, uh, the farm boy, uh, Mr. Wesley um, as his forever role. Right. I, and I'll always think of him, honestly, me like me, just how I was saying I didn't grow up watching The Princess Bride. It wasn't a tradition for me, but I did watch Robin Hood Men in Tights a lot. So I will always remember him as Robin Hood, because even when we did our Saw episode, I was like, oh, yeah, it's Robin of Loxley. Um, that was again, that was because that's what I grew up. And I mean, I remember him in Twister, but even when I saw him in Twister, I'm like, oh, it's Robin Hood. So and I think he did a really good job in Saw. But I, I, I would agree that I think that most people are like, oh, it's Wesley. 
you know mm-hmm. um he's and i like him as an actor i just don't I, I don't really know how amazing he is i think he's he's good but yeah it's and it, it's great for all those actors that i listed to kind of have have like a big role so that at least they get their name out there but breaking that archetype of of that specific character who they were that that can be kind of hard and Another good example that I thought about a little bit ago, uh, Taylor Lautner from Twilight. That dude was like a one hit wonder. He tried to break out to do other things and it just sucks because he's always going to be known as Jacob the wolf from Twilight. Right. Well, I think so. What's interesting, though, is like someone like Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Like he wasn't even actually speaking the lines in his first movies. It was dubbed. And then, you know, he does Conan and then he then he does Terminator And then fucking out of nowhere, he does like twins. And it's the funniest goddamn movie ever. (laughs) And he was able to to do something different. But I mean, at the same time, he's still doing the same thing because he's a twin brother of Danny DeVito, of all people. Right. So it's (laughs) it's it works. It's like an odd couple. But he's got he's got really good comedic timing. Like he is a funny dude Mm -hmm. and and it works. And so it's just one of those things. And and just like uh Carrie here he did princess bride and he also did which is funny it's a charming and delightful movie and he also did days of thunder he's a real fucking asshole in days of thunder man this is part where he he wrecks tom cruise's character and it cuts to him in the cockpit and he's like (laughs) like total like what an asshole right (laughs) and it's like man i fucking hate this guy and then he does robin hood men in tights and he's a funny guy again so i mean he can do it all he's just not getting the roles uh, right. Was he was was he in that pirate movie, um, Cutthroat Island? Was he in that? Oh, he, he might. No, that was um, uh, Matthew Modine. Oh, is that who it is? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, he looks he looks kind of like him. Uh, yeah, he was that was Matthew Modine and Gina Davis. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. So he just he couldn't uh, couldn't get other roles, man. And so I don't I don't know. He's just he's just not that uh, Hollywood didn't want him, I guess. And maybe maybe he can't. Maybe just because of box office numbers, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe it was just it wasn't a draw. And there was a lot of competition in the 90s, too, because once once the world figured out that Nicolas Cage was here to stay, that fucker was in every movie ever made in the 90s. Same with Tommy Lee Jones. You Uh couldn't get away from fucking Tommy Lee Jones or Nicolas Cage in a movie theater. It was Mm -hmm. ridiculous. And so um, I just wasn't getting any like lead roles. Could you imagine but, Carrie Elwes as Tommy Lee Jones' character in The Fugitive? <laughs> I cannot, know. He'd be like, hey, Gipper, <laughs> the claw's coming for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, and that's another one. See, he's funny. Yeah. He's he is a funny. funny dude. Yeah, um, yeah. I just, he's just, I don't know. I don't get it. Like, uh, maybe because he's not a comedian. And like the 90s specifically, Jim Carrey fucking ruled the 90s with comedy. Sure. Yeah. No, I agree. You're, you're you're spot on spot on with your analysis miss cavender i just i don't i don't know and maybe maybe he didn't even want to maybe he got a lot of twister money and he's like fuck i don't need to work anyway so <laughs> did, i did catch a lot of dollar bills in them in them twisters <laughs> my name is jonas bitch yeah like the yeah. weezer song there you go this is a really interesting movie and you kind of touched on it earlier uh, it, it, it's style is, is all over the place in my mind. And at times, you know, it's a classic fairy tale movie, but at other times it's like a rom-com or it's an action adventure movie. What genre do you think that this movie is? Um, I think, I think that review earlier really nailed it on the head with fantasy. Mm-hmm. I think that it is very much a fantasy. I mean, it's a, it's a fairy tale book being read aloud. So, 
Um, that strikes me as fantasy. And in that, you know, the the grandpa was like, are you kidding me? It's got it's got fencing and pirates and fucking giants and what have you. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I forget everything that he says. True love. Like he's naming off all these themes that are just a, a recipe for awesomeness. And I think that that just kind of ultimately falls under the realm of fantasy. Yeah, but I agreed. It it is very much it has rom com bits to it. Um, it has some very dark moments with the murder, and um, and it's good. It's got the swashbuckler vibe. I mean, they're never necessarily on a ship, but there is a fish out of water with with Wesley, where he's a pirate, and uh, there's some intrigue, and it's it's great. Absolutely, I, I would say a fantasy. Totally. So and and I'm I'm kind of there with you too. So I think it's it's a satirical fantasy or fairy tale. And the reason, I mean, the keyword there being satirical. So I think that Goldman he created this uh, archetypal. He created all these archetypal characters for this movie, and th- all of them we could easily see in a classic fairy tale. So you have you know your giant, your swashbuckler, your evil genius, your magic wizard, whatever. But he spins it and he he changes their dialogue and their actions around to do unpredictable things or say unpredictable things. Like I absolutely loved when Inigo and Wesley have their sword fight. I think it's so how they're complimenting each other, how they're talking to each other. They keep one upping each other with, oh, I, I forgot to tell you something. I'm actually right handed or something. I thought that was so I great. Said, I'm not, I know something you don't know. <laughs> yeah. I am not left handed in these switches. You're amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. like, I got something to tell you. I'm not left-handed either. And then the music's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, That's yeah. And I think, you know, I think it's brilliant. It's highly entertaining. And it was just hilarious. So I actually asked uh, a really good friend of mine, Stacy Lewis. She was a one of my English teachers back in at Mount Vernon High School. And she t- also teaches heroic and epic literature. And this is one of her favorite movies. I don't want to misquote her, but this is uh, she, she really enjoys this movie a lot. And she actually teaches the, the book uh, to her students uh, every year and they discuss it. So I asked her a few things and I just want to kind of uh, jot down or I jot down what she said. So she basically said in the book, the opening chapter is focused on Buttercup's beauty. Uh, Goldman illustrates the shallow human fascina- fascination and severe importance placed on a woman's physical appearance as her only importance in society. So again, uh, flipping kind of what we would we would see or going a little bit deeper than just a, a surface level fairy tale. And then she also put and how fairy tales per- perpetuate this uh, ins- insulting role that stymies women's ability to achieve any kind of progress and equity uh, in a modern world. Buttercup is a beautiful, non-loyal ignoramus, <laughs> but readers root for Buttercup and Wesley, despite Goldman clear- clearly showing her as unworthy of his loyalty. Uh, after the fire swamp, she gives up Wesley to Humperdinck at the dismay of Wesley. Therein lies the foundation of his of Goldman's satirical prowess. Um, so it's 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 subverting our expectations on on what we would think that uh, Buttercup would be. We would think she's a damsel in distress, but she's just kind of a, a dummy at times. And that's not to discredit Miss Robin Wright. She was amazing. It's just it was it was a well written character. So then uh, she also wrote, I love the juxtaposition of Buttercup's inability to be loyal to Wesley with Inigo Montoya's unrelenting loyalty to avenge his father. That's cool. Really enjoy that. Uh, and, and and many people don't realize it, but Goldman's primary source to satirize is The Count of Monte Cristo. That book is all about revenge. It's all about uh, essentially the local hero's journey uh, where, and we'll talk later about the hero's journey because I have a question about it, but a lot of hero journeys are going on adventures. This one is about escaping prison and coming back home for revenge. 
So uh, that was very interesting. Goldman illustrates real life heroism in Inigo. Uh, he overcomes extreme poverty, addiction, depression, and the vicious murder of his father thanks to his devout loyalty to his cause and the loyalty of his dear friend Fezzik. And I absolutely loved Fezzik and Inigo's relationship. I thought it was so great. And Fezzik himself completely subverted your expectations. You're like, look at this guy. He's, 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 <laughs> I'm going to call the brute force. You are the brute force. I mean, that's when we see the brute squad. Oh God. See, see, I mean, this is, this is why I didn't watch it as a kid, but, um, I thought he was so charming <laughs> and, and so, and so you sweet. Are the brute squad. <laughs> so like, but I think Fezzik was amazing and, and their friendship was, I mean, you could tell like they, they cared for each other and I loved it. So then, then finally Goldman shows that fairy tales often lack, uh, the real life substance. And I agree. And that's kind of why we get the, the interjections of Fred Savage being like, wait, 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 he's going to just die. Because yeah. <laughs> told the story wrong, <laughs> grandpa. <laughs> yeah. Get a thicker set of glasses, you old fuck. I'd be yeah. like, listen here, you little shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, Justin, this movie has a huge following uh, that was beloved by the masses. Um, I, me personally, I was lukewarm on the movie before we decided to do it for this episode, though. Uh, what I don't get is why this movie is so obsessed over by so many people. Uh, is it nostalgia? Is it romance? Or is it maybe the narrative structure that is a story within a story? What do you think? I think just because it's, it's just such a happy feeling movie that it doesn't matter that it's 30 years old. I, I think that I think it's cool that you can sit down and watch it and you can take part in this fantasy, be along for the ride and have a happy ending. There's no, there's no real tricks. No, no gotcha moments. It's just this fun adventure and you can sit along for the ride. I, I honestly think that it's such a feel good movie that that feel good part has lasted the test of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And I, and I, I think after watching it, that first, well, I'm sorry. First time in a long time yesterday, I, I, I completely agree with you. And I, I mean, I think a big reason I was never a huge fan of it was because I, I just didn't watch it as a kid. Like I was I've said before, you know, but as I've a, a grown and appreciated film more, I really enjoyed all the themes and satirical nature. I thought Andre the Giant was great. And I just think it's a fun and charming movie. It's very, very lighthearted, like you said. And, and I, like I said earlier, it's it was a short runtime, an hour and 38 minutes. Um, it doesn't feel like it's a task to watch. So. And I, and I think and that, that says a lot, too, because because it is a feel good movie, you were able to just sit back and, and sort of ignore that it came out, um, whatever, 33 years ago. You could just sit back and just watch it and like it. And I think that what's cool about that is we are in a pretty gnarly time right now. So how cool is it to just detach yourself from all the horrible that's going on in this world and just watch this movie and smile and laugh and just feel warm and squishy when it's over exactly and i think that's that's a big deal yeah and that's why it was it was a perfect choice for during the election to watch because it was a nice break away from all the drama to just be like this is fun this is a light-hearted movie that you can laugh at that you can cry at that you can scream at whatever you want it it was just a good light-hearted movie so um but I mean, in terms of the story within a story structure, like I, I mentioned, uh, the never ending story, I really enjoyed that a lot. And I think that uh, Goldman, who wrote this, he acknowledged that most fairy tales are are boring if you kind of read them or just they're they're crazy. <laughs> and 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 he, you know, he picks and chooses uh, what he tells the boy in order to kind of guide the narrative. And that's why you get those those narrative jumps with Fred Savage being like, what the hell, grandpa? Um so yeah, I, I, I think that's great. And then uh, so so Stacy, um, Stacy Lewis, 
she also these are her four reasons she she really loves this movie because I was curious on why people did. Uh, I, my friend Jeff said he just really loved it how how funny it was pretty much everything that you were saying. Uh, but then yeah, Stacy she said I think the movie is specifically I'm sorry I think the movie specifically is still beloved by all ages because one on the surface it is a fun romp of a fairy tale. Agreed. Two the characters on the surface level are endearing, fun, and relatable. I relate to Fezzik 100. Uh, three. As, as a film fan, oh, as film fans age, they see the film reveal deeper messages, social commentary that resonates with them as their life experiences teach them lessons about major themes. One being that true loyalty is extremely rare and fragile at best. And it is very interesting that with Wesley, they fight him, but they're only kind of just doing it because that's what they were told, but then turn around and they're all bosom friends now. I really enjoyed that. Bosom buddies. Uh, bosom buddies. But uh, finally, and then Goldman recognized the power of fantastic taglines. You know, as you wish, my name is Inigo Montoya, inconceivable, never mess with a Sicilian when death is on the line. So like you were saying, you were quoting this all the time. I bet you could say any one of the lines that you know that are most popular and anybody could get it pretty much. Sure. Inconceivable. But <laughs> yeah, move the thing. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing. Oh, it's well, so great. <laughs> Wallace Shawn is pretty good. I really like him a lot. He is so funny. He's like, he's like, when oh, Andre Giant's like, oh, good. Thank you, Vicini. What's my way? He's like, when the man in black comes around, you hide behind that boulder there. When the man in black comes around the corner, and you, the moment his head is in view, you hit it with the rock. <laughs> I fucking love that. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so funny. I know. It's pretty cool. It's like, my way is not very sportsmanlike. <laughs> <laughs> I love when he was, when Wesley was like trying to, when he just came to from the paralyzed, and he's like, oh, hey, you moved your finger. Good job. <laughs> yeah it's wonderful that's wonderful oh that was it's so sweet he's like oh you moved your head yeah he did the, the gentle giant thing down pretty good oh, i love it so much i feel like that's how andre the giant was in real life that's why i think i i, I he's so endearing as a character but, um but yeah justin so did you ever have anyone read a book to you at any point in your life and then like what was your favorite book as a child the bible yikes <laughs> no, no, i'm kidding no that is not true um yeah so my mom used to read to me when i was a kid and um i don't know i couldn't tell you what she read to me you know a lot of them were these um like sesame street type books and these zoo animal type books just to kind of teach you about animals and stuff um she was pretty good about reading that sort of thing but as a child I definitely enjoyed uh, Where the Wild Things Are. And then when I got a little bit older, uh, right about the age when I was watching this movie, The Outsiders was one of my favorite books. Ooh, that was a good um, one. Yeah, I really liked it a lot. And uh, But I don't, I couldn't tell you what books my mom read to me. I had these uh, collection like the eighties was really big on like collecting things. And like right. there were these animal, like zoo cards and there's this, this great little Rolodex type uh, plastic container thing that you got to keep them all in. But then there were also these books that came with it and they were really great. And they would be, uh, each one was kind of dedicated to an animal. So there'd be like a lion one, a hippo one. And I still remember the image of this hippo one where it, it basically did this cutout of a, of a hippo's mouth but substituted like a, a sledgehammer where its nose is because they're so strong. And that's what it would be like if you got hit by one of them. So it's very, uh, 
it stuck with me. <laughs> not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I um because I love animals. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> my uh I yeah, we used to have did you ever read Goodnight Moon? Did your mom ever read you Goodnight Moon or anything? No. Oh, okay. Well that was a good one. And uh, it was about a moon and it said you said goodnight to it all the time. But uh, I, I remember I think like my mom or my dad and then I also did too read Where the Red Fern Grows, um, the book Hatchet. I think I read that on my own, but I might have read that to like my brother. And then my brother and I, we used to read each other the Goosebumps Choose Your Own Adventure books. That was great because if you went, if you chose wrong and you ended up dying, I was like, nope, nope, sorry. My finger was on the previous page. I did not want to go down the dark chasm. I wanted to go to the running car instead. So those were really fun. And then I remember my dad used to read me scary stories to tell in the dark. Uh, that those terrified me. Very, very short stories, but they were great. But yeah. Um, a lot, of, a lot of good book reading. I didn't have a crazy grandpa like him, though. Princess, right. Princess Buttercup. <laughs> yeah, Wesley grew up to be that grandpa. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, pretty much. The same right. guy. <laughs> he wrote that book, you know. It's just like the notebook, but yeah. yeah. Um, so let's talk about the story within a story structure of the film, like I, I alluded to earlier. So in my opinion, this movie strengthens the importance of books or the necessity of books in the world. Uh, they share stories, ideas, joy, sadness, love, and imagination. How important do you think books are in our lives? Well, I think that's a really good question. And because I think, you know, today, fast forward to 2020, I couldn't even tell you what the last book was that I read. It's been a long time since I've read a book. Uh, and that's just over the, over the, <laughs> no, oh, I thump that. I don't read it. I thump it. The, um, I think, I, you know what? In all honesty, I got a, I don't remember what it was called, but I got this collection of short stories at uh, the airport. Uh, when I flew to the Florida, the last year. And that was, I don't even know what it was called, but I, that was the last book that I read, and that was you know almost two years ago now, and uh, it breaks my heart because there was a time when I would read a book a month, and now I just I don't. Like the time has has had its way with me, and uh, Alex, she bless her, she reads like two or three books a week. You know, Damn. she's rocking and rolling. Yeah, I don't know how she does it, and I don't even know what she's reading, but I always just call it Fabio's Adventures. <laughs> they're, they're not even romance <laughs> books. I'm just like, what's Fabio doing these days? And she's like, hey, there's no Fabio in this book. I'm like, I don't know. It's pretty good. Is he swinging from vines? Is he? He's know, letting birds hit ship? his face on roller coasters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's nuts, right? Um, but she yeah, she reads two or three books a week, dude. And Crazy. So, yeah. And like, I have this way of reading. Even if it's like subtitles on the TV, I'll be, uh, I'll be like, um, it's it's so ridiculous. But like, I'll be, like one of your questions was, um, you know, like, this is an interesting movie. Its style is all over the place. At times, <laughs> it's a classic fairy tale there. And at other times, it's a rom-com. What genre do you think it is? You know, and that's how I read. And it drives her fucking crazy. And so anytime we're watching, like, a serious movie where at the beginning of a motion picture show, it gives you some sort of context of what's happening or where we are in the world, I'll read it just like that. And she hates it. <laughs> Absolutely. She'll go, No. And it's so funny. <laughs> and I add there to like every third sentence. It's pretty great. Books are very important there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I agree with you. I think I think books are really important. I 
I don't read as much as I used to because I used to be like Alex where I would read a book, a book a week or so. Um, but I do truly think that reading in any facet is, is great for our vocabulary and our men- mental elasticity. Uh, we, for as many movies as, as like I watch, I always try to make sure to read some sort of news article or a journal or um, I, I have been getting more and more into books. Like I actually bought the uh, just the other day, I bought the Starship Troopers uh, novel and I've been reading that because I mean, I like that movie a lot and I wanted to see how different it was from the film. Um, but it's funny because I actually buy a lot of books. I end up reading a lot of books that are <laughs> that that are either movies. Any asshole can buy a book. You got to read it, though. That's the thing. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I have, I have someone read it to me, uh, but <laughs> I can read. I'll do it. <laughs> I know some of these words. Johnny Rico, he was not so good in the school, but. <laughs> Wouldn't you know it? He excelled in the military in his service and the weird foot, and the weird football. <laughs> yeah, the not football. There you go. Like but I, but but I mean, like English was one of my favorite classes, and um, I just remember the the crucial and um, important books of my life that just kind of resonated with me for a long time. So I do have a good collection of of books, and I I've always had a dream. For when I have a house, I want a uh, bookcase slash library that I can have a ladder that goes across so I can go all the way to the top. And, and Beauty that's, and the Beast. That's exactly what I say. Is And I go, I'm going to put all the books on top on purpose, even if I can't fill up the whole thing. So that way I have to climb the ladder and I can slide across and be like, oh, here, this is my favorite part. Um, that's an like, OSHA violation. Lend it. I don't care. I don't see no OSHA. They belong in <laughs> the, <laughs> the target there. But DJ OSHA. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I, I fully support everything that that uh, libraries are doing. Um, I, I love the library. I think it's a great source if uh, for, for entertainment, um, both uh, viewing media and reading media. Um, so, yeah, it's it's totally cool and it's free, which is incredible. But uh, some of my favorite memories are just getting lost in like page turners. And I remember specifically that the one that comes to the top of my head is Gone Girl. Gone Girl was awesome. And I remember staying up like two hours past my bedtime just reading it. I didn't have a bedtime. I was like 25 or something. But you know what I mean? I was like, shit, I should have went to bed two hours ago. And I thought it was so cool. So and I, I love sharing all those books like I was saying with my my library that I want to have. But uh, yeah, I think books are paramount. 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 Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Miracle Max, he he agrees to revive Wesley after hearing about his true love for for buttercup uh and the opportunity to embarrass humperdinck which you know he didn't like the humperdinck there but uh with true love it, you know is there anything greater than that is there anything greater than true love besides maybe a nice you know a nice mlt mutton lettuce and tomato <laughs> yeah uh, i think that's fair I, I i think we when we were talking about her i think we went on to say that their true love is probably the greatest thing in the world and i think that that is true to this day fast forward a couple of months nothing has changed yeah. And uh, I mean, fuck, man, Huey Lewis, he even told us, dude, said the power of love. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> it don't take money and it don't take fame. There. Don't Can need I... no money to ride this train. Does it take credit cards? Don't need no credit card to ride this train. <laughs> yeah. No love swipey that. swipey there. <laughs> love it. Love that movie so much. You need but anyways, app on your phone. See? Yeah. Apple Pay. This is a cashless train <laughs> yeah can't be touching no cash during covid but <laughs> what is uh, dirty it is dirty but I, I agree with you man i think that love is, is it's one of the strongest human uh emotions that we can have and it doesn't 
it, it, I want to know what love is. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to show me. Um, and you well, okay, just like that, you can. There's so many songs that that talk about love. I mean, coincidence? We think not. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. That's pretty good. The best thing about it is it can come in all different shapes and sizes and different forms. And it doesn't have to be, you know, I, I I love this woman or this man or whatever. It can be I love this dog or this pencil holder or my my protractor. <laughs> I love lamp. <laughs> I love lamp. You know, um, it, it, it just has to put a smile on your face. And I, I love it. I know I'm on cloud nine when when I'm in love with someone or or something or a piece of pizza. I, I love it. And it's it's it just it does wonders. Love is is love. So, Justin, I know you are a big uh, WWE, formerly WWF, wrestling fan, or at least you used to be. So, um, yeah, Andre the Giant. Oh, well, I, I might as well add you were a huge Ravishing Rick Rude fan. So. Yeah. Oh, man, he's my favorite. Like all you fat, ugly, sweat, Alabama <laughs> sweat hogs or whatever the fuck he used to say. Keep the noise down while I take my robe off. Holy shit. That was so great. You know what's so funny about wrestling really fast? I, mm-hmm. I remember uh, it was sort of the secret life that my ex-wife did not know about. And it was so funny <laughs> because when I like it, this, this wrestling game came out in like 2000 and whatever, two, seven, eight, doesn't matter. And I'm playing it and I'm having a really good time. And all these theme songs are playing and it's got like all, it's like wrestling legends, I think is what it was. And, um, and all these songs are coming out and I'm playing. And she's like, what are you playing? I'm like, Oh, wrestling game. She's like, well, how do you know all the songs? I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like, what are you, what's, what's happening right now? And I'm like, baby, baby, baby. I'm like, I have been watching wrestling since I was, I was a whipper. And, uh, and so she's like, well, tell me more about this. So then I explained how I went to events with my dad and how it was a good time. And, you know, like, um, Mr. Perfect and Ravishing Recruit are like my favorite guys ever. And, um, and, um, I show her like a YouTube video of like Ravishing Recruit. And she's like, this explains so much <laughs> because like <laughs> I was kind of a heel. I wasn't like an asshole, but like I just had exuded this confidence uh, when I was like in high school and it was just because I was emulating, you know, the heels in, in wrestling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she's like, Oh my God, this makes like perfect sense. It's like a total aha, <laughs> light bulb moment for her. She's like, Jesus Christ, dude, I married ravishing recruit. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It was pretty great. Yeah. I was a big wrestling fan growing up. I had all the figurines. Uh, I mean, I was from the ages of probably 10 to fudge i don't know like 16 or 18 or something i was a big wrestling fan and uh, my brother and i would get all the pay-per-views and whatnot but um it was fun it was good times so that's the best but um so under the giant you know he sadly passed away in his prime at the at the young age of 46 it's just heartbreaking right um what did you think about his performance uh as fezzik were there maybe any other roles or characters in other films that you kind of wish that he could have played sure so you know, I think I don't know how much acting Andre the Giant wanted to do outside of wrestling, but I thought he was absolutely delightful in this movie. And I know that he was nervous about his English not being well enough for this movie. So he had a, some confidence issues when it came to that. Sorry, my dog's freaking out. Um, and so um, 
assuming, you know, he lived a long and prosperous life and that there were other roles that he wanted to do, I think it would have been, you mentioned Gladiator earlier. I think it would have been badass if, if he was like just this ridiculous champion in the arena that Russell Crowe had to fight or something like that. Oh, or it would have been so fucking uh, cool. <laughs> or even, you know, like just in like full on, like awesome plate helmet mask thing that going on, you know, like whoever that tiger guy is, that would have been really mm-hmm. cool to be Andre the giant. Mm-hmm. Um, but even, you know, I mentioned the movie twins earlier. How funny it would have been if, if it was triplets and it was fucking Danny DeVito, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Andre the giant. And like all three of them <laughs> are two. I mean, you put Arnold next to Andre and he's an itty bitty, right? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, it could have easily have worked, you know, and so just assuming that he was comfortable with his English and he wanted speaking roles, I think that that could have been really well. He, he was he was really charming and really delightful in The Princess Bride. And I think that he could have done that with other movies, too, assuming that he wanted to. Um, and even fast forward to today with something like Game of Thrones, he could have easily been like a wildling or one of the giants in that, uh, assuming you wanted to continue that role of him being just that big dude and play to his strengths. Or it could have even been even more funny if, if he had like, he was like the CEO of like a company and like a comedy or something. That's <laughs> some big ass dude that just like, how am I supposed to take this guy serious? Like at board meetings where he's just there. Uh, I think that would be really cool too. Yeah. Um, anything like that, I think would be, would be really great. Or like, um, you know, something like, um, you know, like on these HBO shows where you have, uh, like Silicon Valley, you know, every week there was like some new uh, venture capitalist. It, it would have been really cool if he was just, you know, some guy, some big ass fucking dude that came up with an app that, you know, makes ordering pizza easy or something like that. Who knows? Whatever. Just <laughs> something ridiculous that he just seems so out of character where it works. Right. Playing against his his uh, archetype. That would be. Yeah, th- that'd be great. That'd be so funny. Like he's so, a super nerd. His tie is the wrong length and he's got, you know, just dresses like a developer, you know, he, I think he lives at funny. home in his mom's basement or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she's like some teeny tiny little thing. She's like yeah. fucking Rio Perlman or something like that. And that <laughs> Tracy Ullman. Awesome. <laughs> exactly. I, th- I think that would be hilarious and it mm-hmm. would work. I agree. And I think that uh, so in in this role in particular for the Princess Bride, I think Goldman did such a great job of making him this because if he had no speaking lines, you'd be like, that guy's a bad guy because he's huge. He's a brute. But he was so sweet and he was so caring. And I really enjoyed it. And I mean, so back to Stacey Lewis, she said, you know, in the book. Goldman shows Fezzik being bullied relentlessly throughout his childhood. He was a gentle giant. And, and she said it reminded her of Lenny from of mice and men, but without the petting rabbits stuff. So, and I think that's a really good comparison. Um, I, I really enjoyed his character a lot in this movie. And honestly, like if I were to rewatch it again, I, I don't need to rewatch princess bride for like a week or so, but uh, <laughs> when, when I yeah, good. yeah, next holiday season, Took a long time to get here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I sip. Uh, <laughs> sip. Uh, but but when I, when I do rewatch it, I, I definitely want to pay attention to Fezzik because I absolutely loved him. So um, I actually watched this really fascinating documentary, fascinating documentary on HBO that was about his life. And I um, I really think that you would like it. Uh, and I implore you to watch it. It was absolutely. Oh, you did. OK, yeah. yeah. I watched Dude. it when I still lived in Washington. Oh my God. It was heartbreaking. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and like Vince McMahon, when he has that realization at the end, when he's just like, you know, I, I should have done more basically, or he's, he was really, he was really upset. He's like the world lost a really good person. Um, 
but it was tragic and, and, and I really wish I could have seen him in other things. So in terms of other roles, I would have loved to see him in a, like a Tim Burton Batman film. I think if he was like a Bane, a Tim Burton's take on Bane, that would have been awesome. He just would have been this freaking brute and it would have been so cool. Uh, I also would have liked Funky to see, work. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, I also would have liked to see him in an action movie with someone like Stallone or Schwarzenegger, but maybe not as the villain. Uh, I would like to see him as, I don't know, the expendables part one. I don't know. Something. Yeah. I mean, and that's just it, right? Like that's one cool thing about the expendables is it just brought all those people together. I mean, that would have been really cool if he was in something like that. I don't uh, think he awesome. needs to be the bad guy. I think, no, I think he can be uh, the, the gentle giant. And I think it would be even more weird if, and funny if, people just kind of pretended that he wasn't even all that big. <laughs> just like yeah. went about their, their day. Like, yeah. he, like, like uh, he was using Hollywood hocus pocus. He gets into like, you know, like a, a small car, like a Ford focus or something stupid like that. You know, <laughs> I think that would just be like one of those dumb smart cars. Any bitty things. Yeah. Uh, I just think that would be rad. Yeah. So, um, Justin, do you know about the hero's journey? I do. Cool. Holy shit, Mr. Joseph Campbell. He <laughs> made yeah. that pretty popular. Uh, yeah. So one of my, yes, I know about it. I, I'll, I'll save it. Cool. Well, yeah. <laughs> not, um, not, only will I, well, not only will I will I do it, but yeah, yes, I'll give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my mama said, mama said. <laughs> so uh, the, the hero's journey has been exemplified through various media since the dawn of literature. I, Star Wars, Zach, that's it. Uh, Started Star Wars. Uh, um, George Lucas invented the hero. You also say the Odyssey, too. But anyways, uh, so, you know, it usually starts with a timid or non-extraordinary lead character who is called to adventure. From there, they begin to transform their heroic status as they are challenged mentally and physically on a journey. The uh, this ultimately leads to a final extraordinary transformation and atonement in which the character becomes the hero we all need. So Wesley's hero's journey is apparent, but what you may not have realized was how satirical and nuanced Goldman created his path. Can you, JCC Cavender, can you think of any other hero's journeys in films or books? And what are some of your favorites? And yeah, you, please elaborate on the hero's journey. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so in one of my... Um... I wasn't language of film. I forget what film class it was, but yeah, that, that is when I, I was a, the ripe age of like 21 when I first got my deep dive into the hero's journey. And, um, it was pretty cool. There was this fun interview that we got to watch with Joseph Campbell talking to George Lucas. And it was really, it was really cool. And it was basically, uh, you know, there's that book, the hero with a thousand faces and, um, you know, just kind of comparing star Wars to, this journey and i remember there was this whole chapter about killing a dragon and it's like how do you kill a dragon and that became a real struggle for me in my writing because i i could never figure out how to make something as unbelievable as killing a dragon a possibility and it was a really big wall for me a, a creative wall and i'm like how do I kill a dragon? <laughs> not like, not like necessarily an actual dragon, but just right. overcoming that, you know, having that, that tipping point to where it makes sense. And mm -hmm. it was a real struggle for me. And so um, I think, I think that this can be translated into all sorts of things, whether it be like the Odyssey, like you mentioned, or even something like Rocky or even fucking Wesley, the, the dread pirate Roberts. 
Mm-hmm. I think it just it works. It's a really good storytelling uh, method to follow your hero to where they're they're starting out to where they get their their they make it all the way to the the darkest depths possible. They are knocked down, they are defeated, and then they have to to figure out how to come back and win. And mm-hmm. I think that that's something that's very relatable and something that we can all experience. And it's it it can be and it should be a a jubilation when the victory comes. I agree. And there's something about the underdog that inspires. <laughs> it really inspires the unexceptional. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, isn't that true? Mm-hmm. I mean, so many of us, I mean, 99% of us are are the underdog, right? So, I mean, we want to win and, and, and it's, and it's fun to win. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we can, we can relish in it. We can enjoy it. It's not a given. It was, it was something that we had to work our asses off to get to. And that could be anything. That could be, that could be a movie. That could be your career. Um, you know, there was, uh, in August, I celebrated my one year anniversary with, um, Bandai Namco collectibles. And I literally have my dream job and it was a fucking journey to get there, man. I mean, I'm 40 years old, I'm 50 years old. Like uh <laughs> and and fuck man, I was a I was a, a janitor, I was a used car salesman, I was a, a triple A roadside assistant, I was a target manager, I was a staple store director and now I am part of the coolest marketing team on the planet. And that was an incredible journey and and I can tell you right now that my knockdown, my my terrible time was retail you know I, that's when i felt so defeated and so just out of energy and it was fun at first and it was a fun battle but i mean at times i felt like i was losing and you know there's some terrible people out there and there's some interesting business practices that retailers use that are exhausting mm-hmm. and i was at my lowest point in you know like 2015 you know going Living the the retail experience, living, uh, going through a divorce, being massively depressed, and and eventually I killed my fucking dragon, man, and now I'm living my best life, Hell and and yeah. it's it's a big deal, and I'm very proud of that, and it took a long time, man. <laughs> it took Odysseus <laughs> like ten years to to drive across the lake, <laughs> and, and I feel like it took me twenty years to get the job that I wanted, and uh, it's it's tough and it's exhausting and. And I think that it is 100% relatable. The hero's journey is something that all of us can relate to mm-hmm. in our everyday lives and our motion picture watching and our book reading. It is something that, that is, a, is a perfect outline to a, a, a well-rounded story. And I mean, some of the, the best characters in cinematic and, lit- and literature history Literary history. Sorry. Obviously, I don't read enough. Welcome to Books Day. <laughs> Welcome to the book, Scholastic Book Fairs Day, <laughs> yeah. where you can get a Magic Eye book and a Where's Waldo book. Um, and so, a poster. There you go. Uh, Stay by the bell. So the, the, I was thinking of a monkey that's hanging from the tree and it's like hanging around. <laughs> Hang in there. But uh, some, some of the best characters that we, we've seen were from that hero's journey. So you got your Luke Skywalkers there, your, your Frodo, um, Bilbo, Frodo Baggins, Frodo Baggins uh, Mulan. You got Neo from The Matrix, Peter Parker, even like the Goonies, man. I mean, so and, and you're absolutely right. And I think it's something where we all can relate to it. And I and it's 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 an inspiring tale where you kind of started from the bottom. Now you're here sort of <laughs> Drake mentality. 
But um, I absolutely agree with you, and that's really really awesome that your your hero's journey is uh, is back at the at the start. Now you just need another call to adventure. You need to go slay another dragon, like no, a no, like a that. real dragon. <laughs> I'm more like the grandpa reading the book at this point. <laughs> I got my pipe. I got my my little red jacket there. I'm comfortable. No monster though. Maybe he's drinking I, I know, monster instead of coffee. Fire. There you go. I put it in a little mug. I don't have fireplace. I got to get like one of them hibachi type deals to, there you go. to replicate my fire. Um, can you think of any characters, any of your favorite heroes uh, from from any work of art? Oh, shit, man. So Luke Skywalker is one of my favorite heroes of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would and I think that he has definitely done the hero's journey. That's hand chopped off, you know. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't get a girl, which also sucks. He's gonna need some um, ointment there. Yeah. He needs some <laughs> lightsaber ointment there. And um I, I would say Luke Skywalker. I, you know, I mentioned I mentioned um Rocky. I think Creed uh is another uh he has become a hero of mine. Totally. Um, I just love the whole Rocky universe and um just that mentality, just sort of teaching me how to be a better human being. And I think that um, what's interesting about Rocky is um, the beginning of the movie, he's seen in this dark, dank arena fighting, right? And then the very next scene, he's not mad at the guy that that cheap shot at him. And he's talking to dogs. He's like, oh, my God, I love this dog. I want to get hey, one of these. Buckus. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, what's happening? Bada big, bada boom. <laughs> and um, that right there makes you like him. You're like, oh, shit, he likes animals. I like animals. I like this guy. <laughs> and so it's a fun little trick to, to do in the motion picture shows. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, uh, even it's hard for me to really narrow down heroes other than, you know, Luke Skywalker was my one of my favorite childhood heroes. And and then Rocky just sort of uh, <gasps> developing me as a human. And I know how ridiculous that sounds, but I mean. From start to finish, Rocky is just everything that I want to be. Like he doesn't give up, he doesn't take no for an answer, and he is gonna do what he's gotta do to make it happen. Like be your best self. Don't give up. I mean, what what's better than that, right? And and he's crazy in love. He'll do anything for his for his wife. You know, well, I was just gonna say he starts in the literal bottom, like you were saying, like he's a basement fighter, and then he gets a once in a lifetime opportunity and he seizes it where a lot of the time we could either cast it aside and be like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not good enough for that. But he, he believes in himself and he trains and he puts up a really good fight. He doesn't win spoiler, but he still goes toe to toe with the champ and even knocks him down. You know, it's just, it's just like how that creed mentality was too. Like you're saying, and, and with him being so relatable, I think that's, what's great about it is, is you know that he's, he's an everyman. He could be any one of us. He, he just cares for people and he has this this innocence to him and he's not he doesn't start out with uh, some sort of like braggadocio or, or whatever have you where he's he's just a prick, right? Like everything he, he's gotten, he's earned because he cares about people. And for the first time in his life, he's afraid. That's what yeah. I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what you want to hear? <laughs> yeah. So but I, I, I agree with you and I think Rocky's a really good example. Um, I absolutely love the Rocky franchise. I mean, if I'm ever down or have no gym motivation or no athletic motivation, I will just put on pretty much any Rocky montage and I am just like, shit, I got to go run 10 miles now. Um, absolutely f- uh, fantastic. So I agree with you, sir. All right. I like it when you agree with me. I don't like it when we're at odds with one another. <laughs> You're like Clubber Lang and I'm like Rocky 
and uh, you're going to beat me the first time, but don't worry. I'm going to come back. I'm going to go find my friend Apollo and train with him. And uh, he can't train with all this jungle music. And I was like, fuck off, Polly. He's trying to start a race war here. Jesus. Yeah, I know. He's bad. Yeah, he's bad. So, um, but yeah, man. So what, uh, I mean, that's all I really have for, for the Princess Bride. Do you have anything else? Um, I don't think so. I'm, uh, I'm trying to think about stuff, but no, I mean, it's, it's, I think it has it all, you know, the, the grandfather, you know, he had said something like, you know, we talked about this earlier where he's like, it's got everything. It's got fencing, it's got torture, it's, it's got chases <laughs> and, and it, it literally has everything that you could ask yeah. for in a movie. Yeah. And I think that that is, and they set you up so well at the beginning. And it's like, all right, well, he sold me on it. So let me, let's hear it out. You know, it's like, okay, you got me. I'm sick in quotes playing my video game. I'll, I'll, I'll hear what you have to say. And when it's over, I just think it's great. And like, I just, it's one of those things where it feels so good to watch. And I hadn't seen it in a long time. And, and I, as it was playing, I knew every goddamn line that came from this movie. I was like, how many times have I seen this fucking movie? And, and it didn't even matter because I was just laughing and having a good time. And Alex is trying to read her book and I'm just shouting all the lines and it's probably driving her crazy. But uh, she's a very patient woman and uh, <laughs> I can appreciate that. And it was just so much fun. And when it was over, I was like, man, that's a good fucking movie. So, I mean, that's that's it. I mean, it's, it's a good fucking movie, man. I love it. Want yeah. more of it. And uh, so what letter grade do you give it? Oh, that's A. Nice. A plus. It's a 10. Delightful. Yeah. Uh, I um, it's dead. The whole system's dead. <laughs> the whole system's dead. I, you know, I definitely changed my tune and um, I was eating crow after watching it because I understood why people love it so much uh, because I did go into it and being like, ah, oh, that movie's overrated, but I was being stupid. I didn't understand what I hadn't seen. So I'm very, very happy I watched it. Um, I think it's it's highly entertainable. Wow, that's stupid. It's highly entertaining and uh, re- highly rewatchable is what I was trying to say. But uh, yeah, I also give this movie an A. So um, and, and you know, it's, it's fascinating because this movie came out in 1987, uh, which was a phenomenal year. It's when I was born. But uh, Justin, looking at the movies that came out in 1987, I would wager that that was uh, that was quite a time for film. Um, so you you tell me. I mean, they have your favorite movie, Over the Top, that came out in, in 87. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> it is That's good. That's a good one. Holy shit. They have, uh, God, 87? I don't even, I don't even yeah. know, man. Dirty Dancing, that was 87, right? Well, let me hear. I'll, I'll list some. So we got Over the Top, Full Metal Jacket, The Untouchables, Hellraiser, The Princess Bride. Uh, you got The Monster Squad, Running Man, <laughs> um, Empire of the Sun, Robocop, Fatal Attraction, Spaceballs. Um, you got Predator, my favorite Arnold movie. You got Wall Street. Planes, uh, Trains, and Automobiles, that was 87. Yep. La Bamba. Yep. Uh, Adventure, <laughs> Adventures in Babysitting. Um, oh man, I saw all the rumors. Spent rumors about me, kid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't listen to him. He says you're a homo. That's so great. Uh, like, raising whoa, whoa, whoa. Raising Arizona. Good morning, Vietnam. Lethal Weapon. Uh, Superman Four: The Quest for Peace. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, oh gosh, that what movie's else? terrible. By the way. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Jaws of Revenge. Did you say that? Um, this time it's I, really, really, really personal. <laughs> Jaws Beverly. Upset. 
Beverly Hills Cop 2, which is... Oh, I fucking a love Beverly sequel. Hills Cop 2. That movie is so funny. There's this part where Inspector Todd, he's like, don't think, Axel. Makes my dick itch. <laughs> it makes me laugh every fucking time he says it. And then Gilbert Godfrey's in it, and his door's closed, and they come in because they track the license plate to like their the bad guy's attorney. And he comes in, and he's like... He's like, oh, oh, come right in. Don't let the fact that my door was closed dissuade you in any way. <laughs> it's so funny. And he's like, so you have, uh, you know, like 27 unpaid parking tickets. And he's like, what? I pay my tickets. And then he's like, is this your car that ends in like 327? He's like, that's that's my car. It's in my, it's, it's in my wife's name. It's in my name, but it's, it's my wife's car. And then he's like, no, no, no. They fix up the phone. He's like, bitch <laughs> just hangs it up and it's so ridiculous oh my god i find beverly hills cop 2 is a fantastic movie if you haven't seen it you got it it's fucking great it is an amazing sequel and it's like hardcore violent too i haven't seen it in so long so i need to rewatch those i wonder if those are streaming i would i would love to check those out I, again i don't know the answer to that but fucking beverly hills cop 2 is awesome like it it like really cranks up the um the violence mm-hmm. it's it uh it goes a little uh, overboard there yeah well yeah i mean so i would wager that 1987 was, was quite a year for movies and um i just think it's fascinating because you know this movie came out in 87 so but uh but yeah man that's um i mean that's pretty much all i really have to say about that um so yeah i, I can take us home if you want um sure cool you know what's so funny i almost yeah. said that Tony Scott directed Beverly. I was like, it's super violent, and it reminds. I was like, it reminds me of like Tony Scott movies, and wouldn't you know it? Fucking Tony Scott directed Beverly Hills Cop too. Did he really? Yeah. Wow. You know, I don't know. Tony Scott has. Uh, he he might be even better than Ridley. He's secretly directed some amazing movie films. Oh I mean, man, like he's Top he Gun and that. Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder. True Romance. The yeah, he's uh, he's done a really good job and R.I.P. But uh, yeah. Man. Last Boy Scout. Did you ever see that? I love that movie. Did he do Black Hawk Down or was that Ridley Scott? That's uh, Ridley Scott. Oh, okay. That's Which is also movie. a really good movie. Yeah. Last Boy Scout's awesome with uh, Bruce Willis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That one's really good. Oh, it's funny. Um, yeah. But anyways, man. So uh, thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at dbcrazypod at edgy armo and at zach dale 60 where you can share your thoughts with us and we will discuss them on our show uh, we are always looking for recommendations for movie films we all that we ask is make sure that it is streaming somewhere i guess all that we ask is don't be crazy <laughs> and then also make sure to check out the wonderful podcast on the geek legacy network we have the geek legacy podcast with david randy and justin uh, they love the toys there they love all the nerdy stuff it's great they are some funny dudes, a bunch of wild and crazy guys. And then you have the Pixelated Podcast with uh, Mr. Shoe-wearing Stephen K. James. He is a video game savant, and we are in a really busy season of you. So check that out, too. So all that we ask of every one of you is please don't be crazy. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much.